Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You are at the absolute bottom in life, looking up at everyone and everything. Normal people look like superheroes. The people who can get up and eat breakfast and get dressed and go to work, come home and make a meal and clean up their house and spend time with their family, seem to have this impossibly high level of functioning that you cannot comprehend. When you get up and look out your window, you see people, and you see cars, and you see activity, and you see life happening, and you turn right back around and go back to bed. And you say, oh, world, you're just a little bit too much today. I'm not up for it. You don't understand how anyone would have that level of consistency. I remember thought that kept coming to my mind over and over and over again when I was at my lowest, and this is a very random thought, is I didn't understand how anyone could love themselves enough who wash their hair consistently. Hair washing was something I really struggled with during some of my worst times. And that was really unfortunate because I actually had long hair at the time. So really, really problematic overlap of circumstances there. But when you hate yourself, when you can't stand yourself, when you think you're just the worst thing on earth, it seems like anyone who doesn't hate themselves must be some kind of narcissist, must be just so full of themselves. Even someone with just like a normal level of self-esteem seems full of themselves compared to someone who despises everything about who they are. But if you've been in a place like this, you might have had something really, really unusual happen to you, which is that in the midst of your despair and self-hatred, you might have had someone accuse you, of all people, being full of yourself. Seems ridiculous, I know, but a surprising amount of people have had this experience, and I count myself in that group. In fact, this happened to me more than once. I remember when I was about 14 or 15, I was at the mall with a few friends, and I remember this particular mall had like a lot of full-length mirrors. And every time we passed a mirror, I would look at myself in the mirror, and one of my friends apparently noticed this habit. And he's like, man, what is your deal? Are you just like really stuck up or something? Like, why do you always stare at yourself in the mirror every time we walk past one? And I realized he was thinking that I was enjoying this. His perception was that I just like seeing my reflection in the mirror. And I can understand, in all fairness, I can understand why it looked that way to him. I was really weird about mirrors at that phase of my life. What he did not know was why I was looking in the mirror. He observed a behavior in me, and he created a hypothesis about that behavior. And his hypothesis led him to conclude that I was this really 
full of myself person who just like couldn't get enough of my own beauty or something. And the ironic thing about that is that it was literally the opposite of that, that at this point in my life, I had been so bullied and teased and abused for so many different elements of how I looked and how I dressed, that I had become obsessive about mirror checking because I was constantly paranoid that there was something wrong with the way I looked. I was always looking for hairs that were out of place or clothes, you know, something that was my collar messed up or, or my eyebrows weird. Do I have cat hair on my clothes? That was one that I got bullied for a lot, especially in middle school. Um, I had cats and loved them. And sometimes when you have cats and love them, cat hair gets on your clothes. And so I had become absolutely obsessive about constantly looking for anything that might be wrong with my appearance because I'd learned that I had to or else I would get bullied for how I looked. Now, of course, the ironic thing about that is it doesn't work because if bullies tease you for how you look and you fix the problem, then they just tease you for fixing the problem instead because then they just tease you for caring about how much you look, how, how what did I don't know what I just said, but I'm just going to trust that you guys know what I meant there because I lost I lost track of that thought. Even though my self-esteem now is not what it was in adolescence, these general habits, this this kind of checking behavior is something that to some extent has continued for, to this day for me. Not so much how I look anymore. I just, it's not that I'm a whole lot more confident about that as much as it is that I, I value that less. Because um, for the most part, it's been a long time since anyone bullied me over the way I looked. Things I get really insecure about now are just like whether I'm providing value to people. And, and so another example of like, you could observe this behavior and draw one of two different conclusions about it is I, I read every review that anyone leaves um, for my book or for my podcast. I do not read every YouTube comment just because it's a, it's a matter of volume and time, but I, I do read a lot of YouTube comments. And I can understand why a behavior like that might look to someone like, oh, he's just trying to confirm, like he thinks he's amazing and he's trying to find confirmation of that. You know, he just wants to constantly build himself up. In fact, it is the opposite. No matter how much I accomplish and how far I go in life, there is a voice in my head that still says that I am worthless and doing nothing. And so when I look at these things, I am not trying to confirm the voice in my head that says I am awesome. I'm trying to contradict the voice in my head that says I am worthless. And I suspect that many of you watching or listening to this understand that. It's an interesting phenomenon, but, but however you say that, inhuman behavior, which is that in so many domains, two opposite ends of the same spectrum can look identical indistinguishable from one another. One that we've talked about on this channel before is the Yerkes-Dotson-Law. Someone who is overwhelmed by stress behaviorally might look identical to someone who doesn't really care about what they're doing because both of those people might display a low level of activity. One, because they are disinterested and, and disengaged. The other, because they are shut down from feeling overwhelmed by a massive to-do list or what feels like a life or death situation to them. Another place you'll see this happen is with empathy. And this, this honestly could be a whole other video, so I'm just going to touch on it briefly here. 
But someone who has a very, very high degree of empathy can easily get overwhelmed by other people's feelings and, and struggles and needs and, and might shut down at times because of this overwhelm and overstimulation. And when a high empathy person shuts down, they look like a very cold and distant person. Person, They look uncaring. They look disinterested. They look distant because they are not because they don't care, but because they care so much that they can't handle it. And self-esteem, I think, follows this same trend where someone who has extraordinarily high self-esteem and someone who has extraordinarily low self-esteem might display some of the same behaviors, but for completely opposite reasons. So if that lands for you and makes sense for you, there's an adjacent topic I want to discuss, which is pride. Now, words, basically, this whole, this whole episode is kind of about semantics, right? And what do words mean? Pride is another word that can mean a lot of different things to a lot of different people and often has some negative connotations. So I want to talk about two different types of pride you can have in who you are, what you do. There's pride as like a superiority thing. Pride like I am better than you. I am more awesome than you. I do this better than you. That's one form of pride. That's a form of pride that ultimately is pretty maladaptive because if you engage in this comparative performative pride, the flip side to that is you, whatever this category is, whether this is just you as a person or you in some specific domain, you're probably not the best in the world at it. So if you get in the habit of comparing yourself to other people, you're also going to end up comparing yourself to people who make you look like crap. And you're ultimately not going to feel great about yourself. And then you're probably going to need to keep comparing yourself to people who you think are worse than you to maintain even a neutral self-esteem. Ultimately, it's just not a good habit to be in. But I do believe there is a type of pride that is adaptive and actually important and, and that we all need. And, and that's the type of pride where you can look at something you've done and say, I think I did all right on that. Or even, I think I did pretty good on that. If you're not able to do that, because maybe you're like me and you've had a lot of people think there's certain things about you. And the second you try to not think you're a worthless piece of crap, people say, oh, you're so full of yourself. You need to knock yourself down a few pegs. You get scared to ever say or think anything nice about yourself at all. That's going to keep you stuck in that low self-esteem trap. Because here's one of the really unfortunate things about life is like 95% of the time we're playing to an empty auditorium, meaning, you know, no one really sees the majority of what you do. That might vary a little bit depending on, you know, your family situation and your job, but it's usually an empty house. You're usually an audience of one because A, a lot of the things you do are completely internal, right? I mean, most of your biggest victories, things that happen in your own mind, especially if you struggle with mental health. Like I know I've given these examples before, but if you struggle with substance abuse and you have a lot of substance misuse urges, people don't see all the times you wanted to use but didn't. They might notice like, oh, it's your one year anniversary. That's cool. They'll see like these occasional intermittent things. They don't see the daily battle you fight, though. That's, that's a show you're playing for an empty audience. Only person who sees that is you. So if you don't know how to look at those wins that you stack up every day, say, see, that. I see that you could have slipped up there and you didn't. That's a good job. 
you either don't know how to do that or you think doing that is going to make you narcissistic. If you think doing that is going to make you feel full of yourself, then you're actually going to stay stuck on the opposite end of the continuum and you're going to end up dealing with crippling insecurity for probably your whole life because nothing you do is ever going to feel good enough because it's not good enough for you and you're the main judge of the behavior. Same thing with like, let's say you struggle with self-harm. Say you struggle with suicidality. Do people see the things you don't do? Do you know what I mean? Like, do people see the times you thought about it and didn't act on it? No. If you struggle with crippling anxiety, do people see all the times you wanted to avoid life, avoid work, avoid people, and went out and did things that to them, because they don't have the same struggles as you, look normal, look average, look not worthy of praise? No one other than you is going to be able to appreciate that. And I know I've talked about some of these things before in my content on your relationship with yourself, but it plays in here as well, because the word narcissist is, is a hot topic right now. Narcissists exist, don't get me wrong. But we've started to, as we often do, once like society learns a term, is we start to overuse it. And we start to abuse the term. And we start to label people inappropriately with this term. And then it creates this massive cultural backlash where everyone is afraid to think or feel anything good about themselves out of fear of being placed in this category. Because this is not a category that we, like, no one wants to be labeled as that, right? And if you've dealt with crippling insecurity all your life, if you've hated yourself, moving the needle even a tiny bit in the direction of like, maybe I'm not a worthless piece of crap after all, is going to feel like, ooh, this is all going straight to my head. I've got an inflated ego. I'm full of myself because it's a dramatic difference from where you're used to being. And if other people around you are in the same headspace as you and they see a little bit of progress in you, it might look like narcissism to them because they cannot fathom being in that mental state. They can't imagine not despising every inch of themselves, every second of every day and every thought they have, because that's all they've ever known. And I have tremendous compassion. I have tremendous empathy for those people. I've been that person. But if you live in fear of ever thinking or feeling anything good about yourself, you're going to stay stuck in this place forever. We need positive feedback. We need reward. We need reinforcement. We are mammals with reward-based and emotion-based learning systems and behavioral systems. We stop doing things if there's no reward. B.F. Skinner discovered that 60 years ago. It's called extinction. When you have a pigeon in a little box, and when the pigeon pecks the button, he gets food, right? If the food stops coming out when the pigeon pecks the button, the pigeon eventually stops pecking the button. And, well, I'm not going to say the last part because animal stuff, but sorry. Anyway, we're no different. We're not like we, we can go for longer because we, we under we have long-term thinking and, and sense of time. And like, we can go for longer periods of time without reward, but we can't go indefinitely. And we're playing to an empty auditorium. Most of the time, you don't have a cheering section. That's going to celebrate your every win. If you don't know how to do it, the behaviors you're trying to start they will become extinguished if you are not able to take some amount of pride in them. I know, probably better than most people, how frustrating it is when people misunderstand and mislabel your behavior. 
I I seem to be especially prone to it for whatever reason. But you live in fear of that. You're going to end up hurting yourself more than you help yourself. Because no matter what you do, no matter who you are, people will misunderstand you. Another really unfortunate thing in life is I think the better you do, the more people you help, the healthier you become, the more people are going to come after you. I could speculate as to why that is. Uh, I don't have proof from my theories, but it'll happen. It's a strange thing, but it'll happen. You got your group of people. And if you start deciding, like, I don't think this is the life for me anymore. I think I want a little bit more than what we have. And you start trying to kind of level up. People are going to be like, how dare you? What's wrong with you? You're so full of yourself. You're trying to not hate yourself. It's it's frustrating. But ultimately, you have to be the judge of your own actions. You can't just accept other people's labels or language for what you're doing because they are only able to observe the behavior. They don't know what's lying underneath that behavior. They don't know if you're staring in the mirror because you think you're a gorgeous human being and you smile every time you see yourself or because you're paranoid something's wrong with the way you look and you're just trying to protect yourself from a world that wants to hurt you. Only you know which you fall into. So you be the judge. Don't let other people tell you. I hope that helps. See you next time.